Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello, and welcome to Safety Talk. I'm your host and personal safety expert, Pete Canavan. Thanks so much to our listeners for being here. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel at safetytalkvideos.com. It's where you can get the latest information about safety tools, tips, and technologies. We appreciate you helping us spread the word about Safety Talk because by sharing what we bring to you here, it helps all of us make the world a little bit safer place. Today's guest comes to us from a company I had uh, on the program before, back on episode number 25. Um, that discussion with a gentleman named Rob Leidick and revolved around mobile security credentials. And today we're going to be speaking with another representative from that company, uh, Ken Cook, about student safety, school security, and the stresses on students from the lockdowns and associated issues that have resulted from that. Ken has 35 years of management and leadership positions across manufacturing, product development, marketing, sales, and recently school safety and security advocacy with Allegion, which is formerly Ingersoll Rand. He's worked closely with hundreds of architects, facility owners, and he understands the needs and limitations with respect to life safety and security. He's a recognized expert in physical school safety and has worked closely with the Indiana Department of Education, the Indiana Department of Homeland Security, and the American Institute of Architects. He's also on the advisory council of the Partner for Safer Schools Alliance, otherwise known as PASS, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. He also chairs the design team committee. He also chairs the Door and Hardware Institute Advocacy Committee, and recently was awarded DHI's Award of Merit, so he's a busy guy. Uh, he's also mentoring high school students and is a board member for the ACE Mentor Program. This uh, mentors high school students that are interested in architecture, construction, and engineering. He has a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from Virginia Tech, has a master's in business administration from Massey Graduate School of Business in Nashville. So with that introduction, it is my pleasure to welcome Ken Cook from Allegion to Safety Talk. Welcome, Ken. Ah, thank you, Pete. Thanks for the warm introduction. I uh, appreciate that and the opportunity to get out here and talk about school safety. Um, yeah, just a little bit more about Allegiant. Uh, I don't know if uh, people know, but Allegiant is, uh, was formed part of Ingersoll Rand. So we uh, manufacture and sell uh, the brands of Schlegg, Elsie, and Von Duprin, or, or door hardware security products that you may be aware of. Um, you know, we've been in this uh, industry for a long time and uh, I've been working with schools many, many years, way back when, uh, you know, uh, back in the early 1900s, if you will. So this is not a, a new market for us. Uh, it's obviously changed over the years. You know, personally for me, I, you mentioned I was a Virginia Tech student, and that's really when the when the switch went off, when me around school safety. And uh, I think by by God's grace or will, I was actually when when Virginia Tech shooting occurred and, and you know, it was I knew nobody at the school, but uh, uh, it touched me because it was a special place to me and to see what happened in the news just really touched me. But at that time, we were actually going through uh, working with the local school in Indiana, improving their school security. We had done the assessment. We we're kind of specking out the products and it just it at least felt like I was doing something in a time when everybody wanted to do something. And, and so I, you know, in, in a small way, I, I, uh, I, I have that, that, that sense of, of trying to help. And you, and you see that all over, you know, I think we as a society, when these 
shootings occur at schools. There's parent, the parental groups, there's nonprofits that start from foundations, you know, with the, with proceeds and things like that. So there's a lot of people focused on this, on this topic. And I think it's a good thing. And it's because it, it, it is going to take all of us. It's not a, you know, it's not a physical so At the end of the day, you know, uh, that we would love to have a magic wand and, and, and solve the problem where somebody thinks that bringing a gun to school and shooting somebody is a good idea, right? If we could do that, we would be, we would sign up on that in a heartbeat and, uh, uh, and that would solve the problem. But we're not there yet. So we know that, that a lot of the things that products that we do are, you know, they're help, they, they, they provide protection and they're deterrent too. So those two things are kind of key in, in, the, in the strategy of security. So we'll, we'll play that part and try to do the best we can to support the other activities that folks do as well. Cause we know at the end of the day, that's, it's going to take this a large team of people to, to, to uh, turn this thing around. So, and we can't change people, but we can, you know, implement technologies and policies and procedures and things that can at least, you know, do what we can to make things safer. But, you know, as I said in the intro too, you know, it takes all of us to make this world a safer place. It takes all of us to make schools a safer place. You know, people have to be aware of things that are happening around them. You know, their fellow students and teachers, you know, people have to be, you know, cognizant of, of what, you know, changes in behavior or, you know, things that are viewed as, you know, potential, uh, you know, safety threats or issues. And, um, and, you know, realizing that there is a problem and it's not a problem that's going away, unfortunately, uh, is something that is, it's a sobering fact. But it's one that, you know, people such as yourself and Allegiant can, you know, at least come up with some things and educate schools and districts about, look, you know, there are some things out there that we can use, whether it's, you know, metal detectors or um, different sorts of things that we can use now to keep us safer in the age of COVID, right? Right. Um, with viruses. And, uh, you know, we talk about that. So, uh, so that, that's, uh, that's awesome. We, um, you know, I know myself, I mean, I'm passionate about student safety as well. Um, the last book I wrote is called The Ultimate Guide to College Safety. And uh, it's a guide all about, you know, things that are designed to keep college students safe, you know, from their knowing your boundaries and limits and, you know, knowing what your comfort zones are, or all, you know, how to stay safe, you know, financially and physically and at parties. And, you know, there's so many ways that students have to realize that there are threats to their personal safety that exist. And ignoring them does not make them go away. And the right. victims of these, these brutal, whether they're shootings or attacks or stabbings or beatings, they all say the same thing. And that is, hey, I never thought it was going to happen to me. And, you know, people like you and I were out there to say, no, it can happen to you. And unfortunately, it may happen to you. And so don't ignore it, but be proactive about it. And so now we've got this other threat, which is, you know, battling COVID. You know, we're now basically almost two years into this thing. It's, you know, December, 2021, as we're, as we're doing this. And uh, it was just a couple of years ago when things, there were some rumblings about this. And so let's talk a little bit about how that's affected students, because I think in a very real way uh, it's, it's caused some damage that is never going to be reversed. I know my wife is a school teacher. She, she teaches second grade and a lot of the kids that she teaches, I mean, they essentially lost a year of education. I mean, yes, they were virtual, but it's not the same. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of problems with that. So maybe we could talk a little bit about things like, you know, for example, like student isolation. Right. You know, doing things on Zoom. It's not the same as being in front of a teacher. Well, and just not the same interactions, you know, and I don't know if, if you saw, but the uh, Surgeon General released a report earlier this week about the mental health. Uh, 
and you know talked about a lot of you know a lot of in, in in the teenage years there was a lot of struggles just going through the teenage years is tough right and then you absolutely layer, yeah you layer COVID on top of it and uh, you know I think uh, I've got some statistics here. they did some research in that and said eighty thousand youth uh, globally and they found that depression and anxiety doubled during the pandemic. So, you know, 25% of youth experienced depressive symptoms, 20% experienced anxiety. Uh, it talked about the suspected suicide attempts or 51% higher for adolescent girls and 4% higher for, for boys. And, you know, and the, so they're big and, numbers, think, those are big numbers, big increases. Yeah, they're big, they're big, and I think we can all relate to that, right? And I don't think anybody's gotten through this, you know, the, the, the dealing with the, with the, the issues around the, the pandemic, you know, and, and it's just, it's tough for everybody. So I think we can all relate. Okay. I understand that, but it, from a, from a student's perspective, it's probably even tougher because many, you don't know what the home life environment was like, and they, that's the only environment they were exposed to. And, you know, that's you a whole about, nother issue right there. Yeah. Too. But it, but it sets it up, you know, and then you were talking about, you know, you got to have the antenna up and be aware of what's going on. Well, you look at the students that are struggling like that, if they're virtual and they're just coming back to school, it's hard for the teachers to get a read on every student on where they are. You know, they before they could kind of see the baseline and then the progression of somebody because they're seeing them every day and said, hey, there's some warning signs here. Well, right. the, the Surgeon General pointed out, it just makes it harder for them now to recognize the abuse because everybody's been remote. And, you know, and, you know, we're seeing it in, in schools, uh, you know, with the Michigan shooting and just in society in general. I mean, it's it's playing out where, you know, people are, are less tolerant, less understanding and more likely to look at other ways of dealing with it that aren't really productive and, and harmful to others. And, you know, um, and I think you hit on something right there. And that is these things are compounding because right. you, you take the stresses of being isolated and being quarantined and the stress of not having the you know, interpersonal interaction with teachers and with the other students. And it doesn't really matter what age you're at, you know, whether you're kindergarten, first, second grade, or you're going all the way up through high school and into college, you need that interaction with people. We're a social, you know, species. Right. We, we, we thrive on, you know, being around other people. And when we're isolated, you know, it's a bad thing. And that causes stresses to go up and our coping skills go up. And as you just mentioned, you know, anxiety is way up, you know, people being medicated for that anxiety has gone up and that's not a solution. You know, the solution has to be, how do we come at this with a, a, you know, an understanding, a clear understanding and a way that we can help, I guess, you know, in some ways make the transition back into normalcy, you know, whatever that happens to look like the new normal, right? I hate that, but right. it kind of, it's right. true, right? It's the new normal post COVID what's happening. Yeah. And you, you know, think about that. And it's just, and it's just not the, uh, it's just not the students, the teachers, the administrators, depending on where they are with this, you know, the COVIDs are, are stressed as well. And so you have that level of anxiety that's, a, you know, obviously working against us as we work together. So I think you hit on some key fundamental things that really, um, you know, uh, and again, I'm not trying to be a fear monger here, but it, it is, you know, the, and, and the data is pointed out that, hey, that we need to be more vigilant. You know, there's just, there's, we, to go through this and, and, uh, and I had wishful thinking that early on in the pandemic that, wow, OK, people are helping other people. This could really be a change for society for the better. You know, it didn't prove out to be I was I was 180 degrees off. So we just need to recognize that's where we are. And until we can 
hopefully get uh, the civility and, uh, you know, uh, address some of these mental illness things that, that we need to be on high alert just to, to, to do what we can to deter and prevent and delay bad things from happening. You know? And I think it could have been a good thing had it not gone on so long. You know, if this right. had been like, you know, remember it was all 14 days to stop the spread and all of that. And then it kept right. getting right. extended, extended, extended. Right. I think that compounded the problem. I mean, if it had been just, you know, maybe for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, you know, a month or two, right. people would have come right. together, dealt with it and then gone back to the way things were. But the longer it, you know, got drawn out, I think the worse it got. And we saw that get really blown out of proportion and exacerbated as time went on because people just are sick of it now. It's like, look, you're right. trying to throw mandates in here. And, you know, we will talk about that, you know, whether it's on, on being vaccinated or, or wearing your masks. I mean, these things are all infringing now on people's personal liberties. And so now you bring in, you know, constitutional rights into this and people's right to choose what sort of medicines they put in their body. And we saw the case recently where, you know, they, they bribed the kid in school with a piece with pizza to get a vaccine that his parent had no, you know, his mom had no idea about. She was on the news the other night. She was livid. She's like, it's not that I'm anti-vaccine. She's like, I was, I'm vaccinated, but my kid had asthma, you know, and I was hesitant to give him an unproven vaccine. And, you know, the school just basically didn't know that they ignored it. They went ahead with it. And hopefully there's no issue from it, but we understand that we need to, you know, quote, stop the spread and we need to be healthy individuals, but it's a virus. Viruses don't go away. They stay around and they mutate. That's what viruses do. It doesn't matter if it's the flu, doesn't matter right. if it's the common cold, doesn't matter if it's COVID or whatever the next thing is going to be, because there will be a next thing. Right. We've got to learn to deal with it and deal with it in a way that allows us to continue to function as a society and as a free society. And that, that's a key word right there that I think a lot of people are not talking about. And that's disturbing to me. Right. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff that you look at. I will I will throw this out as a good note. I mean, I referenced the uh, the uh, Surgeon General report, and in that it said, uh, in a, in a, a quote here it says, you know, 50, uh, according to more than 50 years of research, increase in distress syndromes are common during disasters, but people cope and do well and do not usually develop mental illnesses as a result. So there is there is some hope with all of this. You know, to your point, I, I don't know where we are in this whole timeline. You know, the 14 day was was obviously wishful thinking. And, and I yes. hope that we can uh, we can work through this to to put a lot of this this angst and that we, we have and the from the from the mandates and, and what that's creating and the discussion to, to go back to being one. Because, as you know, if we look at this boy as a uh, as a United Nations, the United part was the United States. That was the that's the strength of us, and we we need to we need to hopefully get back to that point if we're going to be successful years and years down the road for sure. Now, one of the the things is obviously you know is dealing with this. As I was saying, right, we we've got to learn to deal with this. We've got to learn how to mitigate the spread of viruses. And so there are technologies that exist that schools may not be aware of, businesses may not be aware of that can help with that, where they limit, for example, you know, touching doors, things are more um, automated. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about uh, and let the audience know, because, you know, technology is constantly changing, it's constantly evolving. I mean, that's right. my world. I, I may be a little bit more aware of some of the new things that come out as are people who are not. So I think it's important that people know about some of the things that they can implement in their businesses, in their districts, that can help make everybody, you know, safer from, you know, spreading germs, viruses, et cetera. 
Right. And, you know, and I think, we're, you know, we're, we're learning that as a society a lot better, you know, that, that, than we did before. But if you take a look at the different industries, healthcare has figured this out a long time ago, because that's part of their, you know, it's really important to them because they've got a lot of patients that are susceptible to this, uh, you know, I'll say immune compromise just for going through the surgeries and things like, because they're opening up the bodies. And so that's always been a, a point of focus. So I think, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've learned from that. Uh, and then you get specifically to like a legion and the products that we have, we, we have uh, door handles that are copper coated and copper is proven to, you know, kill viruses. And again, healthcare has known that so it's like silver, silver, you know, kills the, the viruses as well. And so uh, that that's one technique, but I, I think you hit on it and we all learned this, you know, it's the, if you don't touch it, you, you're, you're better off. So if you, just think if you can the just ten, the 10 it. things that spread viruses the most right here, yeah. your 10 yeah. fingers. <laughs> yeah. And so and you think about that, right? And uh, you look at a school door, or the bus drop off, you know, how, when you go through a door, the door is constantly trying to close. Right. And so people are touching it. And if the first person had, you know, some virus on their hand, how many other people touch that door? And then all of a sudden it spreads. So, you know, looking at things like, uh, you know, in a lot of schools today have automatic operators on those front doors already. They may have an actuator that they, they look at it. Okay, we're going to use this from a disability standpoint, but everybody else is going to just use the door manually. Well, maybe you change the thought process of that and say, all right, we're going to have that door. So it's open. So people are going through that high traffic door and not touching it. And there could be other doors within the, you know, within the facility, the, you know, uh, restrooms, cafeterias, things like that, where you start thinking about, all right, do we put a waveless actuator? So you, you, there's an actuator, you just a motion detects motion, and that will open the doors and people aren't touching anything as they go through that. Yeah, just wave so, your hand and it's like magic. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And so it's that it's that's an example of, you know, I think schools need to to, to start considering that uh, that option of, of preventing the spread of virus. And it's, and it, it, it's, you know, we look at, all right, we don't want to keep people sick, but you just look at the implications of that within the school. I mean, schools have always dealt with flus. Every flu season comes in and it just kind of wipes out a school, right? And when that happens, you get teachers sick, you get students sick, but guess what? People aren't learning and they're not in the seats doing what the school is intended to do. So these type of solutions are actually enabling schools to be more successful, students to you know have a higher probability of success because they're less likely to get sick. And so there's a big you know, benefit from taking this approach in schools to really focus on preventing the spread of germs and viruses. And then the, you know, the other one that, 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 that makes a big impact on schools is their finances are determined by the number of students that they have in the school. So the higher, the more students are there, the more funding they'll get you know, from the state and the government because it's, a lot of that is based on you know, the, the number of students. So there's just a, a lot of reasons to, to start looking at that as, as they move forward. Uh, and again, with the, you know, we can get into this later, but with the, the ESSER funding, it, it's, it's afforded them the, you know, some finance and many of them have the financial resources to start considering things like that, you know, along with the, a lot of other things they have to consider, but still uh, it's a great opportunity. So would it be fair to say that you can essentially show, for example, a school or a district or a college and say, hey, look, you know, yes, it's going to cost you X amount of dollars to implement, uh, for example, you know, touchless water fountains and, and touchless doors, um, you know, using the wave actuators where you wave your hand and the doors open and stuff like that, you know, through your 
maybe not all your buildings, but you know the vast majority of your highly trafficked buildings, whatnot, uh, and then be able to say, okay, so here's a hard number. It's going to cost you X amount of dollars, but that's going to translate into this many more student hours in the seats, which yeah. in turn translates into X amount of dollars in, a, in funding you won't lose, maybe not gain, but won't lose as a result of that. So you can kind of put some hard numbers on it, I would think. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know that we, we kind of tough to do, that, but that gets a little, that, you know, you look at that, that gets the transmission rate of the different viruses. I don't know that we we're that good. We could definitely from a business standpoint, help them. I mean, we've got, there's data out there. I don't have at the top of my head that kind of shows certain viruses. They've done research, how long the virus will stay on the surface and things like that. And, right. you know, then schools can do, we can help them probably try to figure out you know, uh, that, but I, I, but to, to your, we don't have the numbers, but I think the concept, that's the concept there that, that, yeah, it's definitely going to, it's going to, it's going to move the needle in the right direction. It's not going to hurt. It's going to not, it's going to help you not hurt you. It's one more thing that can let them know, look, you know, this is another benefit. You you know, these these students aren't going to lose, which means you're going to have smarter students, which means your graduation rates are going to be higher. Right. I mean, yeah. And we've seen, you know, it's, it's interesting. We've seen that adoption or that philosophy at the high, at a lot more at the higher education level. And if you think about it, it's really more because if they want their students to feel safe, because that's where they're If the students don't feel safe, it's a direct revenue. It's not a allocation that comes from another source, the government or the state. And so they've been quicker to adopt these types of, of uh, approaches to, to improve the safety, the, you know, the, the, the physical safety for the students in the building. So, we so are let's, seeing yeah, it's, it's every little bit helps, but yeah, it's a, it's tough on schools and it's tough on students and because it's tough on students and this kind of is kind of leads into what I, I also want to talk about. Um, you've got people that have become more impatient. They've become less tolerant. They've become more stressed out. And so there are things that are making that happen. I mean, you've got to worry about, you know, the lockdowns and, the, and you know, dealing with lost time at school and alienating them, you know, from other, from their friends and families and whatnot. But then you have things like, you know, these mandates that are, are coming out that, and some that have been out. And it's another layer that adds more anxiety and more stress to people, you know? I mean, you're mandating masks anywhere. Well, we all know at this point Masks essentially aren't going to work unless you're wearing an N95 mask all the time. You know, these cloth masks a lot of time do more harm than good because who's putting a new mask on every day? No, they're taking the mask off. They're putting in their pocket. Oh, tomorrow they take the mask out. They use it. They're not that that's unhealthy. That's not hygienic. And so it can have the opposite effect in some people. And I was even reading how some of these masks almost create like a, a vortex when you're taking a breath in that actually is pulling germs into your respiratory tract worse uh, and more effectively yeah, yeah. than if you were wearing a mask. Yeah. So you, you have things like that. You have now, and of course, the vaccine mandates. And we've got, you know, a lot of schools, the vast majority of them, they're not letting students come back unless they're vaccinated. A lot of them aren't even giving them a, a no pun intended, pass <laughs> on the fact that they may have been already recovered from, from COVID. And so they have natural immunity. Uh, or some sort of other religious or even medical exemption. It's like they're drawing this this really definitive line in the sand and saying you get vaccinated or you cannot attend our school and you know in person you can attend virtually, but 
That's so unfair. And that's causing unrest. That's causing uh, social unrest with these people. So maybe talk a little bit about that, uh, that Ken. Yeah. And I, I think you're, uh, you're spot on. And, you know, uh, I was working with a colleague a year ago and he says, if you don't think the social unrest is going to make its way to, to schoolhouses, you're cool. You're kidding yourself. And I didn't really, I, oh, I'm not sure that's going to, but he, he was, he was spot on. And all you have to do is um, I did this just kind of prepping for the call. I, you know, just Google school board meeting and mask. I got 109 million hits, you wow. know, and I did school board meeting, COVID vaccine, and it's 518 million hits. Wow. And you can just see that, right? And there's and there's people on both sides of the fence on that. And school boards, um, you know, many of them have gone to the point where they've, you know, they are not even having in-person meetings because it was so, you know, divisive and uh, unruly regardless of where they were, right? It doesn't really matter where they were, but there was people on whatever position they took, there was somebody on the opposite side. And, um, and you know, and, and they're installing metal detectors in schools that are in the top, in districts that I know probably from an economic standpoint, are probably in the top 2% of the wealth in the country. And, and, and you know, and typically, uh, you know, that's a, that's a community where people are getting along. And now this divisiveness that, that used to just kind of be in our state house and in our government is kind of made its way out into the streets. And, and it's, and it's a, and it's in that, therefore it's, it's happening at the schoolhouse. And, you know, it, it, the, the, the sad thing about it is, is it, it's not only at the schoolhouse at the school board meeting, but, on, you know, on, and we've seen posts, you know, you've seen pictures on the, you know, the first day of school, you've had people protesting on both sides of the issues. We want our kids and students to wear masks and we don't want to. Well, right. that's, that's a, that is a, uh, uh, not only a problem for the, for the, you know, at the school, but it's also, if you look at that, those parents have kids and kids are following the, the methodology or ideology of the parents typically. And so guess what? Johnny and Sally are having that same position and angst against each. So we've just introduced that into our schools and, and schools weren't designed that way. We were designed to be a community. You know, schoolhouses were set up as something. So every parent didn't have to teach their child that we'll, we'll re- pull our resources together and we'll develop this system where we'll all work together to help us as, as a communal thing to help you know, help us uh, educate our, our children. And, and to be a safe space, right? I mean, it's supposed yeah, to be a safe was. space. And, and, yeah. and the parents were involved and we were all as a society working together to make that happen. And, you know, boy, we, we, we're, we're not there, you know, we're not there. And hopefully we can, we can work to get there. But to your point, you know, those types of uh, divisiveness is, 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 you know, it's in the board meet, it's in the, you know, the, the school board meetings, it's in the, you know, it's on the outside, but I think it's, you got to, re- we got to realize it's making its way in the examples that our parents, are, you know, kids, kids, uh, you know, they imitate us and, uh, yeah. and they imitate their parents and that's what's happening. So it's, that's kind of exasperating the problem as we go forward. You know? And this, I think the saddest part of it, or at least one of the saddest parts of it is that kids should not have to worry about any of this stuff, right? They should be kids. 
But what's happened is starting right at the top, we have had this incredible divisiveness for the last now five years, right? Ever since the last administration and now into the current administration, there has been an unwillingness to work together at all. And never before have we had this sort of divisiveness in this country. We've always had, you know, you and I have been around for, you know, many administrations. You had differences with people in your family about who you liked and who you didn't like and why you liked them and why you didn't like them, but never to the point where it was essentially ruining relationships and dividing families. And without the, the willingness to work together, it's trickled down. So it's trickled down from the Democrats and the Republicans, right? right. It's trickled down now to family members because one side is only willing to look at things in, in a certain light. The other side is only willing to look at things in a different light and never the two shall meet. And so the divisiveness, I think it keeps getting wider and wider and wider. And we've got to figure out a way to bring it back together again. And just like you were saying, Ken, it's to the point now where not only has it become, you know, it's coming into the families now, you know, parents and siblings and, you know, brothers and sisters are dealing with it. But now you're, you're bringing these kids into it and kids should not have to worry about politics. They shouldn't have to worry about mandates. They shouldn't have to worry about masks. They shouldn't have to worry about what's right and what's wrong when it comes to what somebody thinks. They should be kids. They should be going to school knowing that they're going to be safe, knowing that they're going to be educated, knowing that they're going to have fun and knowing that the bigger problems are going to be are handled by mature adults. <laughs> and I think we right. don't have mature adults in the room right now. Right. Exactly. And, you know, that's, you know, and I think setting those examples of the parents, instead of being, you know, <laughs> had a, a friend that, that talked, you know, a lot of these board meetings, they show up with torches and pitchforks. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to show up with, with hammers and aprons to say, hey, how can we help? You know, what can we do to help you? It's not like, you're the enemy. They're actually schools are extension of us. You know, yes. We need to look at it through that light and figure out, okay, what can we do? Cause it's all, if we do that right, then to your point, the kids don't worry about it, you know? Uh, but that's a, that's a bigger issue than a legion is up, is up against. We're just, we've just, <laughs> we've just recognized that all of those social things are actually creating uh, more risk. And so we're just, you know, the things we're trying to do is, is help schools be wise with their resources, make the right decisions so that, that, you know, they can use them for other areas to hopefully get to the root cause of the problem. Some of these mental health type issues and things like that. So exact. So perfect segue then into what a legion can do, because there are things that, that we are able to do to mitigate some of those risks, mitigate some of the threats that come from people being stressed out, overworked, um, not listened to, feeling alienated and all these other things that are going on. So in order to, you know, because of that increased risks with whether it's school shootings or, you know, the, the increase in violence that we're seeing and uh, all of these now smash and grabs happening at, at different stores, you know, a lot of people are stressed out and they're wondering, you know, I, I, I don't feel safe going out like I did, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, we had the riots last year, this year, it's like, you know, because of the the reforms that have happened, things like bail reform, which is absolutely insane. Okay, yeah, we're going to arrest you and then we're going to just let you go and that's it. And then you go get arrested again for the same crime and then we let you go and then you get arrested again for the same crime and then we let you go. It's like, what, what is that teaching criminals? It's teaching criminals that there is no, there are no consequences. There is no, you know, there, you're being basically rewarded for bad behavior, or at least you're not being punished for bad behavior. And so what 
what sort of things, I mean, Allegiant's got a ton of, of products, a ton of uh, product lines and brands that are out there. And with this highlighted need for all of us to be more vigilant uh, and have increased security both in and out of the classroom, what are some of the things that, that Allegiant brings to the table that they sh- people should be aware of and look at so that we can try to get to at least a place where we feel a little safer going about our day and bringing our kids to school for that matter? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And it's a tough one, right? Because there's, you know, I can't remember the exact number. I think there's like 13,000 school districts and I don't know how many, I can't remember the no, total number of schools that are out there, but each one's a little bit different. And, and you know, the, you know, a lot of them were built in prior to the 70s. So they're older and there's different conditions. So the, the way we approach it at Allegion is that we've kind of partnered and play on words here that, you know, you mentioned the Partner Alliance for Safer Schools, PASS. Mm-hmm. So PASS is an organization and uh, the quick summary for people, it's a, it, it's basically, it's an organization that, that's made up of school leaders, superintendents, law enforcement, parents, uh, K-12 security directors, safety consultants, school architects, uh, committee members of code bodies, uh, integrators, uh, industry associations. So there's a lot of people around the school, uh, and I think I mentioned law enforcement, that, that came together and said, look, what can we do to help schools? So this was several years ago, but they what they did is they came up with an assessment tool, some guidelines and checklists for schools to kind of go through and do a self-assessment. It doesn't cost anything. It's free. And it, it gives the schools sort of a baseline of where they are. And, and I think some of the, if you look, if, if I look at past, I think some of the beauty of it is if you, if you look at educators, educators go through their whole career to learn to teach. They want to know how to teach. They, that's their, what, you know, that's what their, is in their DNA. That's what they want to do. And then all of a sudden they go into a school or they get up in administration. Now you need to become a security expert. And that's very, that's, that's not an easy transition. And so when we've showed pass to, to these school uh, officials and, and whatnot, the beauty of it is they say, holy cow, this is great. Well, if you think about all the, you know, there's, there's certain strategies around security, you know. Uh, I've pulled the website up for those yeah, watching this on video. If you're, you know, listening to this on your favorite podcast network, uh, go to pass, P-I-S-S-K-12.org and uh, you'll be able to take a look there. So sorry, continue, Ken. Yeah, no, and there's a, there's a great introduction video to, to this as well, like a little two-minute video that folks can share with others. It's on YouTube. But, but you know, the school, the, the past has taken basically the strategy and the tactics and how to, to secure a school and put it into a checklist. And so, therefore, someone doesn't really need to under, a school administrator really doesn't need to understand the principles of security uh, they just need to go through and execute the checklist. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great resource to kind of give it a little bit uh, more credibility. Uh, the, the, the federal government, so it was Department of Education, Criminal Justice, uh, Department of Homeland Security, and I think Health and Human Services put together a, uh, a clearinghouse of resources for schools to use. And, and the past guidelines are under the physical security assessment section. So it's endorsed by them, uh, the Department of Justice, uh, the COPS, which is the community, I forget exactly what it stands for, I think community, uh, uh, organizing, uh, what is it, COPS-oriented police services. 
they actually issued a, you know, uh, top 10 recommendations for schools essential to do for security. Uh, PASS was also recommended in that. So for any of the listeners, I, I can't speak highly enough of this resource. And where Allegiant can help, we're just one part of that around the physical security doors. But we can work with schools to introduce the concept of PASS to them. Uh, and, and we've recognized, I think, as I said earlier on, it's not, you know, it does, it's not one person that's going to help solve this. So PASS does a great lot, great job of laying out for a school to say, when you do this assessment, it's just not a couple of people. You need to, we identify all the key stakeholders that need to be involved. Not that everyone needs to be at every meeting, but you can take and divide key areas, whether it's IT, whether it's physical security, Uh, whether it's policies, procedures, and training, all of those and get the right people in the room to, to start addressing and, and kind of have, you have that vision of where the school, you know, the past has created that this is where you should be. So would really encourage all the, uh, all the listeners to spend some time, go to pass. Uh, if you need to reach out, I think hopefully Pete, you don't mind sharing my LinkedIn. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Cause we have, we have uh, uh, folks around the country who are versed in this. It can help uh, get folks going. And, uh, it, and, it's, and, and one thing I will say, you know, the guidelines are set up for schools, but we know people that have used them in churches and things like that as well, just because it's still a good guideline and a tool. Everything might not be applicable, but a lot of fundamental things are still the same. You know? No, it's a great information and it's free. It doesn't cost anybody anything. You know, it doesn't cost you anything. You, you basically just fill out the form and even uh, the, the one checklist, you know, wants to, you know, it's also has your state on there. So it's probably got some state specific things and, uh, you know, anything to, to, to stay safer and, and PASS has got uh, these resources that are available and, you know, everybody that's in education should be familiar with them. And if you're not, I encourage you to get familiar with them uh, because there's a tremendous amount of resources that have gone into developing this, as you said, Ken, right? I mean, everything from, you know, Department of Ed, Department of Homeland Security, as well as people that are involved in schools and law enforcement. You know, this is a, it's a group effort and it's something that has, uh, you know, really good uh, implications for those that follow these guidelines, because at least it gives you somewhere to start and it gives you a place where you can uh, say, hey, you know, how are we measuring up? You know, what are we doing? What are we not doing? You know, and if there's something that you see that's there is lacking, you know, then take a look and see what, the, you know, what partners are available to help, you, you know, companies like Legion are out there with a ton of solutions for you. And there are other companies as well that are more than happy to talk to to someone, you know, whether it's a, a business or someone from a school district or a school or a college, and say, hey, you know, I was looking at your che- this past checklist. There's some things on here we're not doing. You know, this is what we this is who we are. What do you what do you think, right? And I mean, that's sort of what you guys can do, right? Is you help them make some of those decisions. Yeah, it's really easy, and the, the structure of it, it it's it's kind of it's simple, but it's it's very powerful because what we've done is we've taken a look at you know there's different layers of security. And you look at a castle, you had the moat, right? You had to cross the moat, and you had the tall wall you had to get over, and you had the tear parrots, but you could you know uh, uh, you're you're in a better position. So you know that that is that's going kind to of one of those fundamental things of security. So the past guidelines were designed like that, and we have each of the layers of security, whether it's the the outer one, as we call is the district wide, which is a lot of policies, procedures and training. 50% of the guidelines around policies, procedures and training. 
So if you look at it, a school could take the past guidelines, go through and start implementing those things, probably make a significant improvement to their security and haven't spent a dime. You know, there may be some training costs and things like that, but they weren't writing a check to someone on the outside. And that's and big think, because schools have budgets, right? And they probably yeah. bust those budgets quick. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then the, the other part of that that's really good is we, we've had tiers. So you could be a tier four is the highest level you could be from a security element. So with each one of those layers, there's sections. You can kind of see where you stack up in that layer. Are you tier one in this layer, tier two, tier three, tier four? And what that helps schools do is when they do that, if they they do can can take back and look at assessment, you know, hey, we're really low in this area. This is probably where we should focus to get up to that second or third tier. So it takes the guesswork as to what should I be doing next? It kind of provides a roadmap uh, that, again, it's 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 taking a lot of com- a, a very complex topic and distilled it and put it in a format that you really don't have to understand everything to, to implement it. It gives them the confidence to say, all right, I'm doing this you know, based on a resource that's been endorsed by a lot of other organizations. So from a, from a, you know, uh, I won't say a liability, but just a kind of a peace of mind, uh, it, 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 it should help in that, that perspective as well. So again, that's, but don't reinvent that's, the wheel, right? I mean, right. It's, yeah. it's, it's there for you. Right. Use it, take advantage of it. Right. Yeah. And, and that's really what's kind of happening because a lot of, a lot of schools are there. Everybody has intentions of trying to do the best thing, but it's really easy because they have so many people come to draw my widget, buy my widget, buy this widget. And uh, yeah, it, you know, it, it, and, and that's where waste problems. And, and that's one of the things we're seeing, you know, we're seeing that occurring a lot and, and people are buying things that, uh, you know, uh, it, it could be fraught with other issues down the road, you know, that could cause other problems and just not realize it um, by buying something that they think or perceive is going to add value, you know. Sure. I mean, because a salesman, you know, if it's just a salesman coming in and, and selling them on a, on a new technology or in a new widget and say, hey, you know, this is going to make you safer because of this. And they throw some statistics and numbers at them. Yeah, well, OK, yeah, sounds good. We got money in the budget. Let's buy it. Maybe not knowing that. Well, yeah, you have this now, but that's really dependent on these other things in order to really make it that effective. Or maybe you're buying something that's total overkill for your needs. And now you're spending more money than you need to. So having guidelines and, you know, things that you can, you know, policies that you're able to implement first before you even spend money, as you said, I mean, that's something I would think every, every school, every organization would do first, right? To do the things that don't cost you a dime, get yourself up to a certain level of safety and security just there. And then say, okay, now what makes the most sense to harden other areas of our, of our environment. And, right. um, is that where the this ESR ESSR funding comes in? Uh, is there funding out there for people that are looking for this? Yeah, I know schools, briefly mentioned yeah, that. Department of schools, the the ESSR. I mean, there's a lot of funding that came out through the different uh, COVID relief acts. You know, I think the CARES. I forget what the other COVID, uh, and then the last was the American Rescue Plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's there's uh, there's a lot of money for schools. Uh, I think where it becomes uh, relevant um, is you know again. You've got money to spend. Well, go through if you if you're looking at doing anything from the physical security space. It make a lot of sense to your point. Go through the guidelines first to really understand uh, in the checklist. Understand where you should be spending those resources uh, because uh, it it would just uh, and there's limits within the ESSER funding as to what you can and can't do. So they they may look at that and there's things that they want to do at school, but the ESSER funds don't allow 
but there's a, there are provisions and in, in uh, from a legion standpoint, I think there's could we talked a little bit about the touchless solutions. Uh, there's provisions in the act that, uh, that allow for preventing the spread of, of, of viruses. So that could work. Uh, there's provisions in, in all three of the acts that, that say, Hey, anything that, uh, that really pro- that complies with the IDEA Act, which is the Individuals Disability and Education Act, um, and so uh, in that there's 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 could be doors that have products that aren't compliant with AD, uh, ADA like knobs, give mm-hmm. schools opportunity to upgrade those, and if those are on classrooms, then they could put classroom locks that give them ability to lock down from the inside, or they want to go electronic, whatever you know, it gives them that opportunity. Um, I see what you're saying. So basically allows them to maybe update things that should already have been updated or need to be updated in order to remain compliant with acts like idea. And then right. now they're basically, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you know, okay. I don't want to say, but you know, you're killing two birds at once. Right? Right. You're, uh, so you're, you're taking care of two things at once. That's, that's all. That's a great point. Yeah. And so that, you know, that that's, that's available. And there's also, provisions for our products, door repair and door replacement as it relates to HVAC. So, uh, you know, again, can help, but, you know, again, the, you know, schools have a, you know, they're going to be, you know, there's, there was a, a hearing uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, from the S- Senate and Congress looking at, uh, I think it was a congressional hearing, you know, talking to the Department of Education with the oversight of the ESSER funds, you know, so there's going to be a lot of questions on that. So doing the due diligence of things like the past guidelines and whatnot and tying it to those different statements and the acts for the school standpoint or as a, as a wise thing to do, because that, that says, Hey, they're doing things the, the right way, as opposed to just, you know, there's, there's a proven methodology, if you will, as, a, as opposed to just doing something and not really understanding the, the, you know, is it, is it really the right solution? You know, we see things like that, uh, in classroom security a lot. There's uh, uh, there, the devices out there that people are promoting and, you know, it has a visual that, hey, okay, I can see that there's this thing, device, whatever, that kind of blocks the door. And I think what people don't, don't realize in those cases is it provides a feeling of being safe, but, but feeling safe isn't the same thing as being safe. And, Absolutely correct. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and that's, you know, especially, and if you look at, you know, you talked about it early on, there's so many different elements to look at from safety and uh, in, in an environment, right? Whether it's, it's, it's your financial or your, you know, your head's on the swivel because you're in a bad spot or you're just, you know, you're taking in all this, this information. Well, if people just look at it and say, hey, the active shooter is the only thing I'm worried about, that, that's taking a, a narrow view in safety. And if you're securing classroom doors, one of the things we like to, to point out to people is, is the university, or not university, the state of Kentucky uh, did a, a, a report, and I think it was 2019, where they just looked at a lot of data in schools. And one of the things they found out is of the law violations that occurred, 60% of them, I think it's 60, maybe 67, I think it was say 60% occurred in the classroom. It may be higher than that. So the classroom, and you think about it, that makes a lot of sense, right? Where where are the people in the school majority of the time right. in the classroom? So it kind of makes sense that's where the crimes occur. Well, you start putting devices on doors that are difficult to get into, and then you've got the problem where people with bad intentions could use devices to block doors to prevent good people from getting through or getting into the door. 
there's more good people inside trapped to get out. Right. Yeah. The people that want to get out can't get out. And, uh, and, and it can, you know, so it's those types of things that people aren't really thinking about sometimes when they buy these. And it's really, while it provides a, okay, I'm feeling safe. Am I actually providing any safer environment for my students when majority, you know, you're introducing the probability of a, of a, of a sexual assault, physical assault, or your battery or whatever, uh, is, is higher than I'll say an active shooter. And we're not trying to say minimize that active shooters aren't a need, but you know, if you look at. Well, no, but factually you're right. I mean, the, the, an active shooter, I mean, for the chance of an active shooter happening in whatever particular school that you happen to be attending is very, very low, but the chance of some other form of violence like you said, with some sort of workplace violence or, or a battery or assault from another student or, you know, somebody else is much, much higher. Right. So sure. You know, we definitely don't downplay it. But I mean, just looking at the numbers, you've got a lot of other things that you should be worried about, not just, you know, keeping people safe from active shooters. Yeah. And, you know, and the majority of school doors already have locks. So if they just keep that door locked and closed, you don't need anything else. There's never been someone who's in a school situation that's died because of, you know, behind a locked door. Mm. So, you know, you've got that element of it too. It's just so that you've got solutions in place that are, we're not even telling you you need to go buy new locks. If you got a lock on the door that works, lock it and keep it shut. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if you, you know, and if you, if you don't like the inconvenience of that, because somebody has to go unlock it or open it every time someone goes to the bathroom, then you can put a, you know, you may have to upgrade it so you can lock it from the inside, but that's a minimal cost compared to, you know, uh, you know, that that's not a big cost to do that. But the point is, you don't have to spend any money to keep a door shut and locked in most cases. Right. I mean, would you rather have an inconvenience versus being unsafe? Yeah, that's the, Yeah. And if you talk, if you talk to a lot of security, it's, it's a it's a cultural thing. But keeping that door, you know, because we've I've heard people say the comment, you know, as long as you're not the first classroom, then it's OK, because you can. Well, why have any first classroom? Right. Keep right. all doors. Right. You know, and. And, uh, and, and that's, the, that's really the safest thing to do. And most schools could do that today. And again, it wouldn't be a, a big cost to, to do that. It's just a cultural change. Now, you've been in this space for a long time. Have you, in your professional experience, ever seen the stresses that we're seeing being placed on the whole system that we're seeing right now? No, no. I mean, it's, yeah, and it's just, it's, uh, it, and it, it's, you know, I, I will say this, uh, so it's not all doom and gloom. I know there's a lot of districts that have, that have navigated COVID really well, and it's still, it's a tough, you know, working through the pandemic has been tough for everyone, but I think some have done a, an amazing job uh, and provided that great leadership for our communities and you know the the communities got along and rallied behind the schools and did it and you know they're they're thriving and then we we had the areas of divisiveness and we're not opening schools and schools stayed closed for a longer period of time i mean there was a an article in the wall street journal the other day of i think it's triple the number of school districts they're having they're having elected officials recalled they're having recalled votes because of just of that you know, mismanagement of school with the divisiveness and not coming together and people putting their stakes in the ground and not moving them. And, 
you know, so there's, we've got the extremes. I think there's, there's, there's some people that, that probably uh, have, 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 they're unsung heroes that don't make the news, but the, some communities have done a great job of this. Uh, and then you so have, like you just said, it. you've got ones that have had like a knee jerk reaction and they right. overreacted. And then once they've seen, hey, look at you know what we were able to do, and they get a little maybe taste of that power, they don't want to relinquish that power because it's like, well, you know, I said you got to do this, and so you have to do it. And okay, well, if what you're saying though flies in the face of the facts and the science, why do we have to do this? And when people ignore the science, and everybody's always telling, oh, follow the science, follow the science. Well, you know what? A lot of them aren't following the science, and that's a big problem too. And being, you know open-minded and willing to explore every piece of information at your disposal, especially as somebody who is an elected official or who's on a school board or uh, you know, on a city council or anything like that, you need to be willing to, to put the people first. And, and the people, and that's, I mean, the number one job of government is to keep people safe, number one, above everything else. And so if we can't do that, that's a problem. And we need to be able to, you know, let people know, hey, we have uh, the ability to look at all sides of this, make an informed decision that is in the best interest, the long-term and the short-term interest of everybody who's involved. And if they're not able to do that, then yes, then you got to get recalled, you got to get out, and we have to replace you with somebody who is willing to look at every aspect of what options are available and how that's going to affect everyone at every level, from the students and the children, to the adults, to the businesses, to the overall schools and the district. So, I mean, it goes, I think it's, a, it's kind of a grassroots kind of thing where we have to be willing to admit when we're wrong, and we have to be willing to work together. Unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of the opposite. <laughs> And, uh, and I sure hope that, that the change that I think we're starting to see with somebody's recall election and stuff is a wake-up call for people. And they're saying, you know what, maybe I'm not doing things the right way. Maybe I need to be a little bit more open to listening to the concerns of the parents, to the concerns of my constituents or whoever, and make the right decisions. And I, and I hope we're going in that direction. I think we're, we, we're starting to see a little bit of a shift back to common sense, because I think common sense has left the building. I think it's left the planet over the last couple of years. Um, but I think it's slowly starting to come back, unfortunately, at what cost? Right. Well, and to that point, you know, you look at, you know, because if you had a school that was shut down for extended period of time, maybe, you know, and this is the articles about this. It was, I think, a school district out in San Francisco. You know, the, the, a lot of the parents got frustrated and said, you know what, I'm going to figure something. If you're not going to do it, through the public school system, I'm going to figure out some way to get my kid into a school and educate them. So mm -hmm. now that seat that was getting financial funding from the federal government and the state is no, it's vacant. So that puts some pressure on. Sorry, yeah, the screws the yeah, people. That's, that's what they're talking about. I think they're you know a ten percent reduction of students because they found other means to ed be educated. The parents found other means. So now the district's going to have a financial for that decision you know, of, 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 of not working with the community or listening to them and, and, and working together uh, and figuring it out, uh, you know, it's, it's, they're going to have some tough decisions to make. And that is a, that's just not isolated to San Francisco. I right. think there's a, 
there's a lot of districts that 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 are having a uh, there's a there's there's a, a, and I don't know what the percentage is, but we feel like there's a financial cliff coming for a lot of districts because of that because they've lost a lot of students. And that's exactly what I was just going to say because ten percent is a significant number, and so if you've got you know ten percent less students, maybe that's what's going to it's going to take. For them to change, right, is to feel it in the in the wallet, feel it in the right. pocketbook. It's like all of a sudden, wait a minute, we're losing funding, we're losing money. Oh, that's that's not good. Now we don't have the money to do the things we wanted to do. Maybe you should change your stance, and and maybe it's hopefully it's not too late. But yeah, that's that's the thing that's making some of them sit up and take notice finally, and uh, and you hope that they then make the right decisions going right. forward. So that we don't have to go through this again, because, you know, right. undoubtedly what's going to be COVID-23 is going to come out. Right. And we're going to have to go through this whole thing again. No, we've got to figure it out the right way now so that we don't have to go through this ever again. Right. I agree. Well, Ken, you know, we're coming to the end of the show already. And, you know, hours always cranks by here with my guests. And I, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh I would like to see what, what sort of last thoughts would you have for our audience that you'd like to leave people with today? I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of trusted advisors out there uh, helping people. And, and, you know, it, it takes for schools and anything where you're looking at a, at a problem like this, and I'll just, I'm going to narrow it down to the physical security side that, that where our expertise is, you know, it, it, you need to rely on a lot of people uh, and, uh, you know, get the trusted ones in there to help you. And uh, I think pass is a good, is a good format template roadmap for you to use. Uh, you know, we'd love to be part of those conversations with you if you need help. Again, I hope Pete, you could share some information on, on uh, contact, reach out to me. Uh, we'll put some information for a legion where you could you get to our local sales folks. And, and uh, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, that approach and, and just the mindset of everybody has the common goal. Hey, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to help improve the education system. And if we all took that approach, I think that's the that's the one thing I think we want to leave with is if we can all look at it from that perspective, then we can hopefully get to your point where we, we, we're changing our course from this divisiveness to let's figure out how we can all work together and do the right thing to improve the, the process of educating our kids. Because the kids are the most important thing, right? I mean, the, right. the education, that's our future. Our children are right. our future. We've got to educate them. They're the ones that are going to be out there, you know, taking care of us when we're older. They're the ones that are going to be the custodians of this planet. We've right. now got to make sure that they're properly educated so they can make the right decisions when they're in that position to do so later in their futures. And so it's, it's imperative that we make sure that they're educated well, that they're educated and taught critical thinking, and they're educated in a safe learning environment, you know, safe from every level, safe, you know, in terms of their health and well-being from pathogens and viruses, as well as safe from physical security threats, you know, whether it's violence or active shooters. And it's all of our responsibility, you know, to, to do that. And, and I'm very passionate about that. I know you are as well. And I know a lot of people listening to this are because that's why they're listening. You know, they want to know how, what can we do to make things safer? Pass is a great start. And, uh, and Allegiant's a great partner. And there are a lot of people out there that are able to, to help and, and then get your questions answered, right? I mean, pick up the phone and answer, ask some questions. I mean, you're not, you don't have to commit to anything. You just find out, hey, what, what can I do? And as we said before, you know, take a look at the, the guidelines and the policies and the procedures and things that you can do first. And then, you know, start to plug the holes, right? 
right. figure out what you can do. Yeah. And the only thing I add to that is I, I think the time is there's never been a time um, to really hit the reset button and do things the right way with the amount of ESSER funding that is at. I think it's 190 something billion dollars, $192 billion going into the K-12. And that's a lot of money. So that's you know, a there's, billion there's a with window. a B. <laughs> yeah, it is. a lot it's of money. A, it is. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's a, it's a great opportunity, but boy, we want to do it right. This is a, you know, we got it. We've got a once a lifetime opportunity to really do things uh, to help in the right way. So that's, uh, I, I hope that's how we, we look at this on the other side of it. Yeah, we did do that. Awesome. Well, Hey, to our listeners, thanks for listening. And if you're interested in learning more about Ken, or Allegion, uh, you can check out their website at uh, www.allegion.com. That's A-L-L-E-G-I-O-N.com. And of course, PASS, which is PASS, P-A-S-S-K-1-2.org. Another great resource for you if you're looking uh, to start and not sure where to go. Or maybe if you're just looking for something that, uh, you know, to sort of validate or, or to take a, and compare what it is that you're doing versus what the recommendations are, you know, definitely start there. Uh, we'll make sure that we post links here to uh, to the uh, various websites and social media. And uh, again, thanks again, Ken, for being here. I really uh, appreciate it. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in to Safety Talk. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to get the latest information in past episodes. Until next time, stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.